Jesus is the answer for the world today. Above him there's no other. Jesus is the way. Jesus is the answer for the world today. Above him there's no other. Jesus is the way. If you have some questions in the corners of your mind and traces of discouragement and peace you cannot find. Reflections of the old past, they seem to face you every day. But there's one thing I know for sure, that Jesus is the way. Jesus is the answer for the world today. Above him there's no other, Jesus is the way, Jesus is the answer for the world today, above him there's no other, Jesus is the way. I know you've got mountains that you think you cannot climb. I know your skies are dark and you think the sun won't shine. Just in case you don't know, the word of God is true. And everything he's promised you, he will surely do it for you. Let me tell you that Jesus is the answer for the world today. Above him there's no other. Jesus is the way. Jesus is the answer for the world today. Above him there's no other. Jesus is the way. Jesus is the way. Jesus is the way. Hello, Vision Baptist Church. What a um, beautiful song we just heard. Welcome to the Thursday night service. And um, if you just are now tuning in and you didn't listen to the song that was played as we were getting ready for the, the service by Miss Clemens, I'd recommend that after the service is over, you go back and rewind. I don't guess that's what we do now. Or just click, whatever it takes. Yeah, we rewind. Rewind back to the beginning of the, of the sermon and listen to it. Jesus is the answer. What a great reminder at this time. 
We might be arguing about what the question is or what the problem is. The world may be doing that. Uh, but no matter how the question is phrased or no matter how you see the problem, there is no doubt that Jesus um, is the answer. These online services are kind of um, unique and um, strange in one sense is that um, uh, typically at the beginning of a service I could say something like, I believe we have a great service ahead of us. Uh, the songs look wonderful and all that. And I'm looking forward to hearing Micah. Uh, but the truth of the matter is, I've already heard the songs, I've already heard the sermon, and so I can tell you with full guarantee, we have a great service um, ahead of us, and uh, some special singing, some great congregationals, and uh, then Brother Micah will be preaching uh, for us, and I'm um, looking forward to that, Psalm chapter number uh, 36, and so make sure you have your Bibles ready the, to follow along with him. Micah is in uh, Bosnia, uh, doing good work, they're dealing uh, with the quarantine, getting ready to see a church planted, and uh, we're just waiting for same, some, he's waiting for some things to change there, um, obviously, prayer for him and, and uh, Catherine, and we're just extremely proud to be their sending church and uh, the work that they're doing in such a, a needy area. Appreciate them taking the time uh, to prepare the service. Um, if you're getting the emails or following on Facebook or the church app, which I'm a fan of, church app, um, you have seen that uh, pastor got to see his family and uh, that's just uh, incredible and we're thankful for those that work um, at the hospital making that uh, possible and, and helping and uh, we're praying to, to see him um, come home uh, soon um, but don't have um, any answers on when that will be uh, but we will certainly let you know uh, when uh, that happens um, I won't make any announcements at the end of the service which is actually one of my favorite things to do in all the world is the give announcements at Vision Baptist Church. You think I may just be giving you information, but I feel like I am part of a church who wants to reach this world and this community, and you guys are just waiting for me to tell you what we have in front of us in our mission. I know you guys look forward to announcements so much. It's almost awkward sometimes when I give announcements, the excitement that I feel in the room uh, for uh, the announcements and the bulletin. Y'all just love all those things. And um, obviously, I'm kidding here. Announcements um, aren't always um, exciting, but anything that now, especially that says we get to be back together, um, is something we can look forward to. And that's what the announcement will be at the end of the service. Uh, Zach Elrod, one of the deacons, uh, has made a video where he's going to give you uh, some guidelines when we come back into the church building this weekend. Uh, Sunday morning, first in-person services uh, in, la um, in a while. And then also Saturday, there's the wedding of Tyler and, and Lydia. And so excited for them at, at 2 o'clock. And all of you are invited uh, to attend. And so as we move forward as a church, we have some, just, um, some guidelines we want to follow. Uh, what we don't want to do is we're not breeding a spirit of fear here among our children and all that. But we're just wanting to show um, a, um, a courtesy to other people. We want as many people as possible uh, to want to uh, be able to attend the services. And uh, so we have differing views on how to handle things. Some will wear masks, and that's wonderful. Others will choose not to wear masks, uh, but we will follow uh, the, the guidelines of coming into the building and leaving. And Zach will give all that to you. But I just want to say, um, one, Zach and the deacons have been in daily contact with caring for people, and others in the church have as well. Uh, but this has been such a spirit of unity, and I thank you so much uh, for that um, and the graciousness about decisions being made and moving forward. Uh, but we're going to move forward because as a church, we need to gather together, and that's what we will do on Sunday. So make sure you stay tuned at the end of the, the service to, 
to hear about those guidelines and to be uh, uh, ready uh, for it. Um, I'm going to pray for us, and then we will get into some congregational singing uh, with Ben and Kristen. And then I really appreciate the way um, uh, the, uh, the girls group that's going to be singing and, and the Morgans put together uh, the uh, special for the night. It's just fantastic. And I remind you, if you didn't hear the song at the beginning, oh, it was, it was great. Uh, Jesus um, is the answer. Um, well, let's pray together, and then we'll move forward in our service and get into God's Word uh, tonight. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for an opportunity to hear what I've heard in the Bible taught, Lord. Pray um, it finds a place in my heart, makes a, a change and a real difference for your honor and your glory. Lord, I ask that you be with us, Lord, tonight in the service especially, Lord, that we will stay engaged in the preaching of the Word, um, that we won't go through the motions, but we will really take some time to reflect and give this time over to you that the next 30, 40 minutes will be consecrated unto you, Lord, for you to work in our um, hearts. And Lord, I ask that you be with us as a church as we begin to meet again in person. We want you to be honored and glorified. We want to um, show love and difference for one another, and we want to move forward um, as a church. Um, we thank you for an opportunity to sing songs unto you and to worship you and to hear your word preached. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.
share with you this evening about Psalm number 36. Trent asked me if I would uh, preach uh, from this passage of scripture, and uh, this is the first time that I've ever preached on camera without anyone around, so Lord willing, it will go all right. If you would, turn in your Bibles to Psalm chapter number 36, and I will read the entire psalm. Psalm 36, verse 1, The transgression of the wicked saith within my heart, that there is no fear of God before his eyes. For he flattereth himself in his own eyes, until his iniquity be found to be hateful. 
The words of his mouth are iniquity and deceit. He hath left off to be wise and to do good. He deviseth mischief upon his bed. He setteth himself in a way that is not good. He abhorreth not evil. Thy mercy, O Lord, is in the heavens, and thy faithfulness reacheth unto the clouds. Thy righteousness is like the great mountains. Thy judgments are a great deep. O Lord, thou preservest man and beast. How excellent is thy loving kindness, O God. Therefore, the children of men put their trust under the shadow of thy wings. They shall be abundantly satisfied with the fatness of thy house, and thou shalt make them drink of the river of thy pleasures. For with thee is a fountain of life. In thy light shall we see light. O continue thy loving kindness unto them that know thee, and thy righteousness to the upright in heart. Let not the foot of pride come against me, and let not the hand of the wicked remove me. There are the workers of iniquity fallen. They are cast down and shall not be able to rise. David wrote this psalm, and uh, I don't know exactly when it took place, and some people think uh, that they know, but I was not certain, so we will not go into that. I've decided divided this psalm into three basic parts, and the first part is from verses 1 to verse 4, and I'd like for us to look at the condition of man. Why is the world in the condition that is in? Why is there wars? Why is there horror? Why is there evil deeds uh, being done? And what does all these evil deeds mean? What do they show us about mankind? I think the psalmist here had the same thinking and the same thoughts, and he came to a conclusion here in Psalm chapter number 36. His conclusion is in verse number 1. He says, The transgression of the wicked saith within my heart. It's like the transgression of the evil is speaking to David. And it says that there is no fear of God before his eyes. What is the problem in the world? Why does man sin? Why is iniquity happening? Why is evil deeds being done? Why is murder and robbery and rioting and all the evil deeds that go on in the world, why do they take place? It is because mankind and men in general do not fear the Lord. The fear of the Lord comes from an understanding that he is God and judge. That's what the fear of the Lord is. It's an understanding of who God is that causes men to fear him. God will one day judge men. God will one day judge the world. In this passage of Scripture, he kind of reveals to us how he came to this conclusion. He starts at verse number 2, and he says, For he flattereth himself in his own eyes, until his iniquity be found to be hateful. A man, in this verse, he is lying to himself. He is convincing himself that he is okay. He is telling himself that his evil deeds are not so bad. They justify themselves in their own minds they refuse to listen to things that tell them something different. They refuse to listen to truth. They only tell of their own goodness. They see themselves as basically good. It is a problem everywhere in the world, even here in Bosnia where I am working. I speak to people. I share the truth. And many people, the biggest problem is that they see themselves as basically good. They don't recognize man's problem and condition before the great God of heaven. And here in this verse, it says that they flatter themselves in their own eyes. They talk about themselves in a way. They tell lies to themselves, convincing themselves that they're okay until their iniquity be found to be hateful. In the end, their iniquity will reveal itself. Their hateful wickedness will come to light. It then continues in verse number three, showing the condition of people. And it says the words of his mouth are iniquity 
in deceit. When he speaks, it's not truth. When he speaks, it's not good. When it speaks, it's with a desire to deceive someone, to get gain, to take advantage of. He does that with himself by flattery, flattery, and he does it with others through his words. In verse number three, the end, it says, He hath left off to be wise and to do good. This man has made a decision. It is not that he just happens in this path of iniquity or he happens to start one day deceiving people. But in this passage of scripture, it is as that he has chosen. It says he hath left off to be wise. He has put it aside. He has given up the fear of the Lord. Where does wisdom begin? Where does a man start to be wise? It starts with the fear of the Lord. According to the book of Proverbs, this man has made a decision. And he has chosen to leave wisdom, and he has chosen to not do good. And verse, and then it continues in verse number four. It says, He deviseth mischief upon his bed. He sits and lays at night, and he dreams up evil deeds that he might be able to, convict, to, to commit. It is his daily long, it's what he does all the time. He is constantly thinking about what he's going to do. It's not that he just happens to slide into sin or just happens to him. Whether he is imagining it in his mind and finding ways that he can go about accomplishing it. Verse 4, the middle part, he says, He setteth himself in a way that is not good. He puts himself in the path of injustice. He puts himself in the path of wrongdoing. All mankind was put in that way when Eve sinned in the garden. Because God is truth and in him is life. And when man walked away from God, he put him in the self, in the path of evil. But then men continue to do that to this day. Mankind has chosen to walk away from God and to seek evil. And then at the end, he says, he abhorreth not evil. A man that does not fear God does not abhor evil. He may not commit the evil, but he also is not against it. He's trying to play the middle ground, and that is not acceptable before God. This passage of Scripture, I think, shows us the root problem in man, the root problem that causes man to be evil. The root problem behind much of the evil that happens in the United States at this very time. We can think that it's all about justice or it's all about something, racism. The reality is, is men don't fear God. They don't know God. And their hearts are deceitfully wicked. And they do not even understand many times the reason they are doing things that they are doing. This is even as a problem for us as Christians. We fight and battle against our natural tendency towards sin. The world is in a terrible shape because of the lack of the fear of God among men. They have convinced themselves there is no God, no judgment, no ultimate truth, and so many other things that are against God. They have convinced themselves that evolution took place and God did not create them and that God does not have a right to judge. The world that we live in is corrupt and full of every evil deed. Men are full over, uh, over every evil deed and refusing to fear God. Even Christians, if we are honest, are not perfect in the fear of the Lord. For if we were, we would not commit sin. The psalmist wanted us to understand the condition of the world. But maybe the greatest part in this psalm for me is when he turns his mind and his eyes away from the world and he turns it on to God. And he makes a comparison here. He starts out in the first four verses and he tells us of the wickedness of man and how he 
has responded and acted towards God. And then from verse 5 until verse 7, he starts to talk about how God is and who God is. In verse 5, he says, the mer- Thy mercy, O Lord, is in the heavens, and thy faithfulness reaches unto the clouds. God's mercy and his faithfulness are as limitless as the sky. His mercy and faithfulness are without end. They are not tainted by sin, selfishness, or anything wrong. God is full of mercy and faithfulness. No man, government, police force, church, pastor, father, mother, child, student, brother, is even comparable in mercy and faithfulness to God. In all mankind there is corruption, in all mankind there is falling short, but in God it is perfect mercy, it is perfect faithfulness, it is above all. In verse 6 it says, Thy righteousness is like the great mountains. God's righteousness is not changing. His righteousness is unmovable and unshakable. With all men, when we think of their righteousness, if you think of my righteousness, if you knew me very well, you would find if you get very close to me that there is hypocrisy. As much as I battle against it and I don't want there to be any hypocrisy, I don't live up to the truth that I claim to hold to. I do not exactly live out all the truth that the Bible teaches. But God is not like man. His righteousness is unbending, holy, pure, completely steadfast and forever. God's righteousness is like a mountain. It doesn't move or change. He is always right. God's judgments are a great deep. They are unsearchable and unfathomable, the judgments of God. Judgments of men, whoever they are, can never be as God's judgments. When we think of judgments that are made by mankind in the United States all over the world, many times we can find faults. We can find faults in their reasoning and in their logic. We can find faults in the reason for their judgment or the case that was delivered. But with God, it's not that way. When an unjust man judges another unjust man, there is cause to find injustice possibly. But when a just God and righteous God judges the unjust man, his judgments are just. God is the righteous judge. His judgments are always right. Not only is it great in mercy and faithfulness, not only is God's righteousness unchanging, not only are his judgments unfathomable and ununderstandable by mankind, God also preserves mankind and beasts. God cares for those that hate him. He cares for his enemy. It says in verse 6, it says, O Lord, thou preservest man and beasts. God is not just the complete opposite of man. He also cares for man. He gives rain to the just and the unjust. God cares for those that do not care for him. Matthew 5 tells us that he even cares for the sparrows, small little birds. He cares about them. God holds the world together in Colossians chapter number 1. God is the one that is keeping things together. And then he continues and he says in verse 7, How excellent is the loving kindness of God. How excellent is God's loving kindness. God is so far above man. God is the opposite of all that man is. Man is unjust. Man is corrupt. Man is fallen. And God is righteous, holy, and just. Man's very heart is corrupt and against God. Jesus said that out of the heart of man come all evil wickedness, adulteries, idolatries, murders, 
robbery, thievery. And that is not a quotation of that verse. You can go look it up. It's in Matthew chapter number 12, I believe, verse number 24. God is not like man. He is full of loving kindness and goodness. And God is just and righteous, and we can trust his judgments. There is no one in the world we can trust like God. Romans chapter number 11. Chapter 11, 33 to 36 says, Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. For who hath known the mind of the Lord? Or who hath been his counselor? Or who hath first given to him? And it shall be recompensed unto him again. For of him and through him and to him are all things. To whom be glory forever. God is the one that deserves glory. He starts this passage of scripture talking about the injustice of man, about the wickedness of man, about how man doesn't fear God, and yet God is righteous, just, merciful, loving, and he is good to man. And in verse number seven, he makes this statement. He says, therefore, because of man's condition and because of who God is, the children of men put their trust under the shadow of thy wings. Men trust God when they understand their own condition and they recognize who God is. Today, I would challenge you to put your trust in God, believer and unbeliever alike. Put your trust in God. If you do not know God is your personal Lord and Savior, put your faith and trust in Him today. Recognize your sin and sinful condition before a holy God. Recognize that it is only Jesus, the sinless Son of God, that could make a just payment for your sins. And put your faith and trust in Him for salvation. Call upon the name of the Lord. Today is a day of salvation. And believer, trust God. We can look at the government, we can look at the social condition of the United States, we can look at the social the condition of the world, we can look at the wickedness of our own hearts and the wickedness of the hearts of the leaders of our country, the wickedness of the hearts of the people of our country, and we can think about many things, but there's only one that we can truly trust, and it is God. All men are short, fall short of His goodness. Only in God and nothing else is found true satisfaction. In verse 8 he says, They shall be abundantly satisfied with the fatness of thy house, and thou shalt make them drink of the rivers of thy pleasures. He uses words that show that he has plenty to spare. This world will never bring you satisfaction. Sin will never satisfy Proverbs tells us that the lust of the eye is never satisfied. What the eye desires can never be fulfilled. But in God, there is true, lasting satisfaction. One day, those that have put their faith in Jesus Christ for salvation will be with God. We will then be fully and completely satisfied in his home where there is enough to satisfy all our needs and wants. He says they shall be abundantly satisfied, not just a little bit, not just to the mere bar minimum, but abundantly, far and above, with the fatness of thy house. God's house has plenty enough for all of us. And thou shalt make them to drink of the river of thy pleasures. God will please us. He will take good care of us. In verse number 9, he continues in this, I believe, is speaking specifically about Jesus 
Because he says, for with thee is the fountain of life. And I do not have time, but if you were to go to John chapter number 1, and throughout the book of John, you're going to find that Jesus is life. Jesus is the life giver. He's the one that brings life into the world. God is the source of life. That is why sin is so horrible, because sin is taking man away from God. And in God, and only in God, is life. It says if... Uh, <clears throat> Jesus is the fountain of life. It is through Jesus Christ and His finished work on the cross that we have life. Jesus is also the light of the world. He is the one that lighteth every man that cometh into the world. The Word of God is light. It's a lamp that lighteth our path. God is the source of truth. I think here when He speaks of light, He's also speaking of truth. It's only found in the Word of God. In the world we live in, it is hard to know truth. But in the word of God, we find truth. In God, we have hope. In God, we have truth. So the first thing I would recommend to you today is knowing the condition of the world, knowing the goodness of God, trust God. Don't put your faith and trust anywhere else but in the God of heaven. Secondly, pray to the God in times of troubles. Times like today, pray to God. The psalmist prays to God. In verse 10 he says, O continue thy loving kindness unto them that know thee, and thy righteousness to the upright in heart. Let not the foot of pride come against me, and let not the hand of the wicked remove me. He has two basic prayer requests. His first is for the continued mercy and righteousness of God towards mankind. Mankind does not deserve God's mercy. Mankind does not deserve God's um, looking down upon him. We deserve God's Wrath. He also asked that God would not allow the evil man to destroy him. In verse number 11, he wants protection. And this is a time in which we need God to protect us. There is nothing else in the world that can truly protect us from evil. And then in verse number 12, he says, There are, there are the workers of iniquity fallen. They are cast down and shall not be able to rise. God will have victory. There is coming a day when God will judge this world. He will judge the sinful man. He will judge the wickedness of mankind. God will win. He has already won when Jesus rose from the dead. We have three great things that we can do in this passage of Scripture. The first one is trust God. When the world goes against you, when the world is going against God, when evil is abounding, trust the God of heaven. Secondly, pray to the God of heaven. Only in Him can we find security and help. In a time of need, we need his mercy, we need his guidance, and we need his help. And lastly, know this, God doesn't lose. It may look like evil is winning, it may look like evil will win, but in the end, God will win. God is always victorious. Thank you, dear Heavenly Father, for this day. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for giving us your word so that we might know you and know of your goodness. Help anyone that doesn't know you that listens to this video that they would Come to know your Savior in Christ's name. Amen. Jesus is the answer for the world today. Above him there's no other. Jesus is the way. Jesus is the answer for the world today.
Vision Baptist Church. We are very much looking forward to worshiping with you again in person this Sunday. Now, it's been a while since we've been together as a group, so what we wanted to do is uh, provide the church with some guidelines that we're going to be following this Sunday and the next few Sundays to help keep everyone safe and healthy, uh, to make sure that we can continue to meet for the foreseeable future. So what we would really like is for everyone to really uh, pay attention, uh, follow the guidelines closely, uh, and that would be much appreciated. Number one, the doors to the sanctuary will remain locked until about five minutes before the church service starts. We're asking that you please remain in your vehicles until the doors are unlocked. This will allow everyone to enter the building in, a, in an orderly fashion. Uh, as well as to make sure that we are not having too much mingling before the service starts. Number two, once the doors are unlocked, the doors will be propped open so that no one will have to touch the door handles upon entry. We ask that you please make your way directly to your seats, whether that be in the sanctuary or the, or the overflow section. Make sure that you and your family have enough seats to sit and then remain at least six feet apart from any other family in the sanctuary. Number three, once in the building, we're asking that you go either directly to the sanctuary or to the overflow sections. Well, we, we will have signs posted uh, to try and keep everyone in this area. So that way we can direct traffic just a little bit more easily and we're not having people wandering through the building. Number four, once the service is over, you will be dismissed by section so that you can exit the building in an orderly fashion. All doors will be propped open, so that way no one will have to touch the handles as they are exiting the building. We're asking that you please exit from your seat directly to the, ex to the outside of the building, directly to your cars. As I said before, we are very much looking forward to being together with you again this Sunday to worship our God in person. We know that this has been a difficult time for many of us in our church and many families, but we hope that these protocols that we put together will help us to worship together, not only as a congregation, but do so in a way that is safe and uh, everyone can remain healthy for the foreseeable future. See you on Sunday.